Good afternoon. I want to wish all of you joining us online today a happy new year. And if no one has told you yet this year how much they appreciate and love you and miss you, uh, let me be the first to do so. I know just like you, I can't wait until the day we can all return to in-person worship. Can't wait for the day that we're past this COVID uh, pandemic and we can shake hands and embrace and get back to life as normal. And the good news is we are closer today than we have been at any point, even though it looks dark right now. Uh, if you would, bow with me and we'll begin our lesson today with a word of prayer. Most beautiful, loving, and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for this new hope that comes with each new year. We ask that you forgive us for all of our shortcomings in the past. Give us hope for the future. Please restore our nation. Please, God, be with us the next few minutes as we study your word, open our hearts, open our minds to do our best to serve you in everything we do in this year, 2021. We love you, Father, and we thank you so much for all that you are and all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> uh, we're continuing our study of great biblical characters uh, this afternoon. And for the next several minutes, we're going to study Timothy. And what we're going we're to try to focus on a handful of things. We're told about Timothy from the scripture, but we're going to study some passages from 1st and 2nd Timothy that hopefully will help us grow spiritually today and help us throughout this week. Now, we're going to talk about several things uh, as we get into Timothy, but I want us to focus on three key points because everything we talk about will fall under these three headings. Uh, the first point we're going to talk to when we get there in a moment is every Christian, and as a byproduct, every church must possess the traits that Paul communicates to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll read those traits in just a moment. Uh, the second thing we're going to see pointed out to us uh, in our study today is that God, through his word, can and does influence the hearts and minds of men. And then lastly, we are going to look at a point that as we see the in, in 2 Timothy, Paul's letter to Timothy, Paul understood this, and we're going to talk about it at the end, that the life-saving gospel message is now and always has been one generation from extinction. We have work to do, and it's our time to do it. <clears throat> now, I want to begin with a little background, and, and all of this is, is taken from the scripture, a little background about Timothy's life. Uh, Timothy was a native, native of Lystra. Uh, we find that in Acts chapter 16. Uh, Timothy was carefully instructed in the sacred writings by his mother Eunice and his grandma Lois. We see that pointed out to us in 2 Timothy. We, we can uh, figure out that Timothy obeyed the gospel under the preaching of Paul during Paul's first missionary journey. Uh, 
And on Paul's second missionary journey, Timothy was selected by Paul as his assistant in the work of the Lord. And you'll see throughout the remainder of the Apostle Paul's life, Timothy remains a beloved and trusted friend and fellow laborer. And among Paul's last written words before his death, they were addressed to his true and faithful child in the gospel. And he was obviously addressing that to Timothy. But ultimately what Timothy was, was a preacher of the gospel. He was a man who won souls for the Lord. And as we dive into our study of Timothy, we're going to do that mainly by studying the instructions the Holy Spirit through Paul sent Timothy in the letters we find addressed in our New Testament, or addressed to him in our New Testament. But before we get into that, you know, I find great hope for us in Timothy's background, and not raising this to our attention, I think, would be a failure. I think it's worth pointing out. You see, it tells us, the Bible tells us, Timothy was taught the sacred writings. He was taught about God by his mother and grandmother. Now, I know many times we're all guilty of this. We like to pretend we live in an ideal world where every child has a mama and a daddy who does right and are faithful Christians. You know, we in the South, we take great pride in pointing out the fact that we live in the Bible Belt and we're a God-fearing people. But perception isn't always reality. The fact of the matter is a lot of people right where we live just don't go to church. If you look at statistics, and you can pull these from a lot of places, we're below the national average in most things that represent a good family right here in Mississippi. Recent numbers tell us that somewhere around 40% of Mississippi's children grow up in a single parent home. Right at 20% of Mississippi kids are being raised by their grandparents. And thank you, grandparents. But this is usually because their parents have been overwhelmed by the real world. You know, numbers like this put an unbelievable strain on our public school teachers. Not only are they expected to educate at a breakneck speed, they're also supposed to model what a parent looks like. And all of this points to the failure of men in our country and the responsibility to raise Christian boys and girls have fallen largely on Christian mamas and Christian grandmamas. And before we go forward with this lesson, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to all of you Christian mamas and grandmamas who are doing way more than you should have to to raise young Christians. And I encourage you tonight to not lose heart to keep the faith and fight the good fight. You know, who knows, you may be raising up a worker for the Lord just like Eunice and Lois did so long ago with their raising of Timothy. And to spin the situation, you know, sometimes an imperfect family situation as a child 
leads to tremendous perspective and understanding as an adult. You see, Timothy was blessed with a unique perspective on how to connect with the broken and the lost, how to communicate with people from different backgrounds. And believe me, he was tasked with a heavy burden of responsibility in the church at Ephesus. Uh, right off the bat, I'm just going to mention three things Timothy was tasked with uh, from Paul that he faced at the church of Ephesus. He was to erase the false doctrine that was being taught. He was to safeguard the public worship. He was to develop Christian leaders among the members. You know, just one of those tasks would be plenty difficult enough, but to accomplish all of this requires a special set of skills. And even though our challenges might be a little different today here in Boonville, we've got to have the same foundation in the faith. So if you have your Bibles at home, open up to 1 Timothy. And we're going to read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. It reads, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ our hope, to Timothy, a true son in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, from a sincere faith, from which some have strayed, having turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. Now we find in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, the foundation one must have to accomplish the work of the Lord. We find the purpose of the commandment given to Timothy. For any church to truly follow the will of God and flourish where it is planted, we as the church members must, must possess these three, three traits that have been communicated to Timothy in the text. We've got to have a pure heart. We've got to have a good conscience. We've got to have a sincere faith. Now, obviously, Timothy had been identified as a possessor of these traits. But he was tasked with identifying others who possessed these traits. You know, if a church has conniving teachers and people looking to serve selfish desires, it cannot grow. It cannot please God. I hope we all realize as a church how important this text is we're looking at tonight. You see, the purpose and end of God's law is that man be led to do God's will out of a pure heart, with a good conscience, and from a sincere, unhypocritical faith. Because without these traits, we cannot please God. All right, well, what does this mean? 
It's simple. If you've allowed your heart to become hardened or bitter, you cannot serve God properly. If your heart seeks personal glory and recognition, you can't serve God properly. If you have seared your conscience, now how do you do that? By doing what you know your conscience condemns. A corrupt conscience cannot do acceptable service to God. How does one sear his or her conscience? And this is where I really miss dialogue in class because there would be so many smart answers coming back up here and we would just go with what you said. But I think one's conscience is defiled by doing what we know is wrong or refusing to do what we know is right. Now that's simple to explain but it's sometimes difficult to execute. A preacher said one time there isn't a more dangerous place for man than to habitually do what he knows to be wrong or refuse to do what he knows to be right. And we also learn in this one verse, sincere, genuine faith is what is expected from God. There is a chapter in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. I'm not going to read that entire chapter to you today. I want you to read it on your own. But it points out the faith of many of God's followers. Noah, Abraham, Moses, etc., etc. All of which were flawed human beings, but faithful. See, without having a pure heart, a, a good conscience, and a sincere faith, we cannot even begin to serve God properly. But once we're grounded with a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith, as an individual and as a church, we can begin to grow. If you'll flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 2, it shows us some steps we've all got to take to grow. This was instructions given to Timothy, things he needed to do to grow. In chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and all are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. You know, right there in verse 1, Timothy is reminded to pray. Jesus prayed all the time. Why do we pray? Because prayer is communion with God. Prayer itself implies that God is willing and able to hear us. In prayer, we acknowledge that God is the creator of the universe and master of all creation. God can influence the hearts and minds of men. To pray to God implies that we know God. 
You know, secondly there in chapter 2, we see again in the scriptures how it is important for Christians to be in continual prayer for our government leaders. But notice what we are to pray for when we pray for government leaders. We don't necessarily pray that earthly governments get built up and strong. No, we simply pray that leaders conduct affairs in a way that we as God's children might lead a quiet and peaceable life. We as Christians ultimately just want a government that allows us to worship and live our lives according to God's will. You know, because if we can do this, we know, according to God's word, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. You know, and that leads us to verse 4 of chapter 2. I was listening last week to a couple of so-called biblical scholars debate the question, is God more merciful or is God more just? And each with a... Each debater had a lot of accolades out by their names, and they had taken a side. I want to read verses 3 through 7 to you again from uh, Timothy chapter 2. It says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, and I'm speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. The God we serve could not be any more merciful. He desires that all be saved. Well, how do you know that? The Bible just told me in verse 4. Of 1 Timothy chapter 2 says God desires all men to be saved. Brother Jonathan Farr, one of our most gifted teachers we have here, and Amelia and I were talking a few weeks ago how much we miss the annex class on Sunday mornings where you would get your coffee and it was a slower pace and you would catch up on what was happening. Uh, with your friends from the week before and you got to shake hands and do all the things you know the normal things that you did before a pandemic hit well uh, brother Jonathan was teaching that class right before the pandemic hit and I think one of his last lessons may have been his last lesson was on heaven and in the book of Revelation gives a pretty descriptive uh gives you a pretty good description of what heaven looks like if you can do the math. Now, I can't do the math, but Brother Jonathan did the math for us. Heaven described in the book of Revelation is absolutely enormous. God desires it to be full. How do I know that? I just told you. The Bible tells us. Our God is perfectly merciful. But you know what else? The God we serve could not be any more just. He has placed in our hands the path, the way to eternal life. You know, if you're listening this afternoon, chances are you know what Jesus did on the cross. You see, we have a choice. 
whether to do God's will or not. We have a choice to obey the gospel or refuse it. The week before we got that lesson on heaven in the annex, we got a just as descriptive lesson on hell. And I want all of you to know, listening this afternoon, there is an eternal price to be paid for refusing to do God's will. You see, our God is perfectly merciful. But our God is also perfectly just. And I hope tonight you keep in mind this last point. We all have to keep it in mind as the years pass. We just clicked into a new year. The gospel message is now and always has been one generation from extinction. Yes, heaven is huge, but we're the workers. We have to spread the life-saving message to fill it up. Paul, the Apostle Paul, understood this very well. I think he gives us an example, and I know we're talking about Timothy, but this leads to Timothy. Paul gave us an example that it was never about him. His work was always about the Lord. He instructed Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And you know, as you read second, the book of 2 Timothy, it isn't hard to tell that Paul knows his time is about up. And he was determined to make sure the next generation was fully equipped to take on the load and lead in spreading God's word. You see, that's the beauty of the life that Paul lived and the life that Timothy lived and the lives of so many faithful Christians who have followed after them all the way up to our time. The only name that matters that they care if you remember was the name of Jesus because Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life. You see, Paul, Timothy, and so many generations of Christians since have understand what was needed to spread God's word. And it begins with what we talked about at the beginning. We cannot spread God's word without a pure heart, without a good conscience, and without a sincere faith. If we as individual Christians have a pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith, we can't help but tell the world about Jesus. I hope in 2021, if there's anything in the past that's caused us to get away from those three fundamentals in our lives, that we will get them back. And I hope this is the year that we can grow as individuals and as a church to do the Lord's work like we never have before. And if you'll bow with me, we'll close with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you allow us to come together by any means possible and talk about your word. We thank you so much for Jesus and the sacrifice he made on the cross. And we thank you that Jesus arose from that grave. 
God, we worship you. We love you. We are forever in debt to you, and we thank you so much for loving us and caring about us. Please help us here in Boonville in 2021 do the work that you called your workers to do so many years ago. Please forgive us where we failed you. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.